Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. to an emergency episode of the No Breaks podcast, apparently a weekly Formula One podcast from the No Dunks, Inc. Classic Factory, proudly a part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Whether you're listening on Apple, Spotify, the Athletic app, or some other podcast service, or if you're part of the Slipstream team watching live here on YouTube, thanks for coming along for the ride. I'm your host, Trey Kirby. We got our team principal, J.D., keeping an eye on the tire pressures, and we're joined, of course, by our local F1 expert and a man whose cat won't get out of the Christmas tree, Graydon Gordian. Graydon, what's up? Hey there, F1 sickos. I am excited to be back. Oh, man, just more. There's so much to discuss. Look at this cat. This, this, Look at this he, goddamn he's cat. Still in the tree. I mean, he's in the tree. Oh, he's probably there right now. That's literally probably that's his tree now, Graydon. But you're not the only cat man in the mix. I had a little cat happening over the weekend as well. Our neighborhood cat muffin stopped by the paddock to watch this race with me oh. on Sunday. No breaks, yes, cats. That's what we say around here. Wearing the same Graydon. outfit as Lewis Hamilton in that shot. You know, she's got. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly right. Uh, yes. This is going to be a turbocharged episode of No Breaks here. Graydon, we got a little bit less than an hour to talk because we're busy dudes, and we've only got one race to recap. Sunday's insane Saudi Arabian Grand Prix, easily the craziest race of the season. Graydon, before we really get into it, what was your experience like watching this on Sunday? I would say that it was a an, an emotional roller coaster. I definitely, you know, even through the very beginning of the race with, you know, the start wasn't terribly eventful. You, you know, Verstappen gets stuck behind Hamilton and Botas, uh, is steadily losing ground to Hamilton, unable to get past Botas. And I started to worry that, is this going to turn into the high-speed parade that the track's critics had said it might be it, it, for a moment there probably you know 20 minutes into this race it felt like it might be one of the more boring races of the season uh lo and behold that was not the case uh and i mean it's just just up and down and all over the place I, I, these these multiple red flags cause tons of wildness moving up and down the grid and obviously lots of controversy around the what happened between hamilton and verstappen out there so one of the one of the wilder ones right up there with Sochi or, you know, some of our craziest races of the year. So Yeah, it was a, a wild one and dramatic almost the entire weekend. The drama really started Saturday at qualifying for two reasons. 
You mentioned it, Graydon. The track looked crazy once you actually saw it in qualifying. Very long and skinny. You've heard of a hairpin turn. This kind of looks like just a bobby pin that you would maybe be wearing your hair to keep your bun up. Very tight, very fast, lots of congestion. I was a little nervous when you started hearing reports that they were telling uh, the different cars in qualifying to slow down around like the 21, 22, 23 complex just because they didn't want traffic jams. You had to know that that was going to be a, a play a factor come Sunday. We were texting right after. We're getting some safety cars on Sunday. And you could also tell that it was going to be the case. We we're going to have a crazy one. Because of reason number two, on last week's podcast, we said qualifying is going to be crucial. Lewis Hamilton was the best in qualifying, but Max Verstappen was not far behind. And on his final flying lap, it looked like he was going to get pole position until the very last corner spun out, crashed into the wall. So uh, Hamilton starts P1, P2 uh, for Botas, and P3, I think, uh, for Verstappen because his previous times were pretty good. What did you think about this track overall, Graydon, this long straighty? I mean, it's it's definitely, it's, it's bo- I, I borderline found myself thinking, should we be racing here? <laughs> it's like, is this actually unsafe? Are we, are we on the low end of the number of crashes and DNFs that we're going to see at this track? at this track over the years it's it's definitely you know the speed you're carrying through those turns in the early 20s 21 22 23 you know is is incredible definitely you know in qualifying given how on the edge guys are i'm surprised we didn't see more incidents in qualifying you definitely saw people get close you know verstappen put it in the wall but earlier than that you know carlos signs i think clipped his back wing um definitely people were were right there on the edge the whole time so that and and you saw uh, a similarly a, a lot of action and a really terrible crash in the Formula Two feature race right before it. So it, it definitely all of these things are suggesting you know, this was going to make for a, a very wild you know race when it came to Sunday. I I I don't know how you would change this track. I, I think the issue is not just the speed, but just how narrow it is and how many instances you enter into a corner and the exit is meaningfully narrower than the entrance. All of these things make for fairly high risk. (laughs) So I don't, but the drivers actually seemed to like it. It's funny when you heard them talk about it, they were like, it's very technical. It's very fast. I think it's cool. I, I guess that's kind of the adrenaline junkies in them. You know, they like the intensity of it. Yeah, I think it might have been Ocon who said, great to drive on, maybe not the safest place to be driving. It could have also been Russell. Anyways, let's get into Sunday because that is where most of the drama happens. No offense to 18 of the 20 drivers out there, but it's going to be pretty much all Hamilton and Verstappen today. We'll start at the start, the first of three in this race. Nice start for Hamilton. He hangs on to P1. A great start for Botas. We haven't seen much of that from him. Believe it or not, he hangs on to P2. Max Verstappen is in P3, and it was easy to think, like you were saying, Graydon. This could easily be a parade here. We've got a narrow track. It's fast. Mercedes is in front. Red Bull is in behind. Ride it over. It's done. It's all done. Au contraire, mon frère. Lap 10. Mick Schumacher spins into the wall pretty gnarly, and it's a yellow flag. Mercedes pits both their drivers pretty quickly for hards that they think will be able to last until the end of the race. Meanwhile, Max Verstappen stays out in P1, advantage Mercedes. 
At this point, Max Verstappen is complaining that the safety car is going too slow ahead of him, and also that Valtteri Bottas is going too slow behind him. What was that all about? That was like the earliest complaints we heard, and even then I was a little confused. <laughs> I, think the, I think the issue was is that he was, it was kind of impacting who they might be ahead as people pitted, especially with Hamilton, you know, when they're, you know, you're getting a short you're getting a short pit stop at that point. So him slowing him up, slowing the whole pack up, it means Hamilton can get in and out of the pit and have lost fewer places if Botas isn't enabling or he, or the, you know, if he's not able to gain as much time getting around the track. So it's, 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 it's making the pit stop for Hamilton even shorter, I think was his concern at that time. Um, so that's, but it ends up not really mattering in fact, in fact, it ends up, you know, yeah, turning out to be a Red Bull advantage here. But. Yeah, it ends up not mattering about two minutes later when the stewards realized that the damage to the barrier from Schumacher's crash is too bad. And honestly, it looked pretty bad. I think they said he went into the wall at like 155 miles per hour. He's certainly knocked into it. This thing uh, eventually turns into a red flag. So the session is stopped, which means a free pit stop for Verstappen. You said it, advantage Red Bull right there. Now it's Lewis Hamilton's turn to complain. He says he didn't think there should be a red flag to me. Pretty obvious. I mean, I, this I, was a big chunk of the course that needed to be fixed. It, th- that was a spot on, yeah, the, the the reality is is Hamilton's upset because they've, you know, it's unfortunate for them at this point in time, but I think that they made the right call. Michael Massey made the right call, maybe one of the few right calls he made that day, to uh, to stop the race here. There had been multiple. That's the exact same place where Charles Leclerc went into the wall during FP2 or FP3 it was. Um, you know, obviously Schumacher's hit it. We're seeing that, you know, this is a place where incidents are likely to occur. So ensuring that safety measures were taken there was really critical for the driver's safety. I'm never going to criticize them for prioritizing that. It just sucked and i think the bigger problem here it sucks for for mercedes i think the bigger problem here is it, it raises the question should you be able to change your tires during a red flag uh and the and the for me i say no i i think it's i think a red flag should pause the race there there's to me you shouldn't gain an advantage from an incident like this and it can be a huge advantage if you recently pitted or you had been running along or whatever it can just have a huge strategic impact on the race and i don't see why uh, to me it should be like a timeout and you know you can then pit you know maybe if they do a formation lap and you want to pit on that or something i mean you can pit as soon again as you want but i i don't see the i don't know i've always taken issue with this this is just an instance where the problems with it were especially notable. So, Was it a mistake, you think, from Mercedes to bring in uh, Hamilton and Bodas right away to change to the hard tires, not knowing if this was going to go to a red flag? And also, like, why didn't they just call it a red flag right away? That's the weird thing to me is that there's that, that little bit of hesitation where there is a chance that you could have, like, a race-changing call made by Mercedes because if we don't have a couple of more uh, safety cars and red flags from then on out, it could have very easily been a parade with Verstappen in front. So my, at the time, I thought Red Bull was taking the bigger risk because in theory, 
they've called a yellow. They, you know, they've they've sent out a safety car. They'll restart the race at some point, and he'll be in front. And then he'll need to pit. He still would need to pit and change tires, and he would have to do so under live action. So they were kind of betting that either a red flag would come or there'd be a future, you know, yellow or red flag. Um, both of which turned out to be good bets. At the time, I, I thought it seemed risky what they were doing, and it seemed like a no-brainer for Mercedes. Lots of people thought it was a no-brainer. Tons of cars came in at that time. Uh, I do think you could make the argument that it was obvious they were going to need to repair the wall, and Massey should have just red-flagged it out the gate. At the same time, that's, there's a bit of 2020 hindsight to that. They don't know the state of the wall you just have an incident and you instantly red flag the race. A lot of people would probably just as quickly criticize him for being too cautious and killing the action. I think it's kind of a lose lose for him right there. You know, so it's, it's hard to say. I definitely don't think you can blame Mercedes for doing that. I think sometimes you just get unlucky. Yep. Fair enough. Uh, so eventually they get things cleaned up on the track and we're ready for our second standing start of the day. But before that, a little more complaining. This time, Lewis is saying that Max did a practice start from the pit lane, which is not allowed. Max is complaining that Lewis was more than 10 car lengths behind him on the formation lap, which as we found out was not a true formation lap. My question to you does Michael Massey have the worst job in Formula One? Like, just people road rage bitching at him for two and a half hours straight. Uh, this was yeah, crazy, and man. Half the time, half the time, the things they're appealing to Michael Massey for, he can't do anything about. He is not the stewards. He is not, he can refer things to the <laughs> stewards, but he can't, like, so sometimes the things they're, in this instance, I actually, I thought Hamilton had a point. I rewatched the replay. It did look like Verstappen almost did a practice start. It was right on the edge. It was right on the edge. I, 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 the, as it turns out, the 10 car lengths rule I knew about the formation lab, it was news to me that a standing safety car restart is not a formation lap, and therefore that rule does not apply. I did not realize there was any distinction between those two events, so that – was something that I found out in real time. I think like a lot of F1 fans, I think that like, yeah. We're all learning out here. You know, it's a, it's exciting times, but I, I was feeling for Michael Massey on this one. Oh, tough stuff. They eventually make it to the grid for start number two. Another slow start for Verstappen uh, starting in P1. A great start though for Hamilton. They are side by side into the first corner with Hamilton a little bit ahead. Max Verstappen cuts the corner, goes over the curb, comes back across Hamilton, pushes him wide. Hamilton swerves to avoid the collision. So Verstappen passes Hamilton and Esteban Ocon off the course to move into P1. Hamilton drops back down to P3. Meanwhile, Ocon slides into P2. What'd you think of that move from Verstappen? I mean, this is... It, it felt borderline. This is a desperation move is the reality of it. I think he knows if Hamilton nicks him here and gets out in front, it looked like Mercedes had the pace in, 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 for race pace. Uh, you know, in quality, obviously, Verstappen looked like he had a chance at pole. But once you put the hards on and we're going lap after lap, it looked like Hamilton would likely pull away from him. So he had to maintain his position and in order to did so to do so i mean he blatantly cut the track they were 
they were just going to have to accept some type of penalty. They got, you know, things get weirder from there, but, you know, he, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, yeah. I, but I, but that I, I definitely thought this was a bad idea, bad move, something that is definitely, it's, it's, you're, you're sacrificing long-term gains over the course of the race for just a short-term opportunity. It wasn't a smart, smart call by Verstappen to cut the corner there. In my yeah, and I think Brundle said at that point, like almost dumbfounded, like he will use every part of the track, won't he? Even if yeah. he's not supposed to. But another safety car right away, Graydon, uh, as uh, Sergio Perez, Nikita Mazepin, and George Russell crash a little bit further behind at that same first corner. I was laughing so hard that they had a second red flag on the first corner of the first lap after the first restart. There's debris everywhere. The red flag comes down. So we're getting ready for our third start. And I think we're 16 laps into the race at this point. It was a pump fake festival. This time, (laughs) Massey has ordered Verstappen down to P3 behind Ocon and Hamilton for that incident at uh, the first corner. I think I think that is true. Well, no, but I've never I've never witnessed anything quite like this before. I don't think many people had where Massey calls him, calls Christian Horner, calls Red Bull, and offers to move him down rather than they're negotiating. They're not negotiating the penalty. Oh, did they? Yeah. Did he order him? I thought he said no. Was, that, that's what Vitor saying. Ordered no offer. We would yeah, like to yeah, offer they, you yeah, offer. two yeah, on they, the grid. That and not to mention what they were offering was unclear initially. Everybody was. <laughs> they had to clarify exactly where they were putting him. I've never seen that before. I guess in this instance, that what it was was. I will refer this incident to the stewards. If you do not take this place right here, it'll it'll be the equivalent of having been ordered to give back the place. And you and I know well that this will be a penalty because you you absolutely cut the corner. And they, <laughs> and they accepted that. But I had never seen anything quite like that. I mean... So you're telling me there's not usually <laughs> bartering in Formula like, One? I, I, I guess it's not all that different than someone call it, than them calling and saying you need to give the place back, and them potentially refusing or accepting. In that sense, you know, if they say no, I'm not giving the place back, they're risking a penalty. It's it's similar to that, but it normally doesn't happen when the cars are standing still. And it doesn't, and they normally don't say, let me think about it. Give me a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think he literally said. <laughs> let me think about it. Take your time. Like, We're like, just racing I, out here. No big deal. We should introduce bartering into American sports. It should be totally. like, it should be, you know, they should, yeah, you should be able to walk up to Greg Popovich and just like hash it out real fast. Like, I think that was a foul. Well, but. What yeah. if it wasn't? What if we just called it out of bounds or, you know, so. Yeah, it's like uh, maybe they send Andre Drummond to the line and the Sixers are like, how about instead of him shooting two free throws, we let Seth Curry shoot one free throw? What would you think of that? I don't, Something I don't to think it. about. I don't hate it. I would say also of note, getting ready for this uh, second restart, Max Verstappen on medium tires while Hamilton is sticking with his hards. Why do you think Red Bull kept Verstappen on mediums and not hards? knowing that 
the hards are likely the only ones that are going to be able to finish the race at that point. So I do think Red Bull thought the mediums would take them further and they wouldn't hit the cliff as hard as they eventually do. But I also think that they knew starting where they were, they needed the faster pace off the starting line that the mediums would provide and they needed to be able to get the jump and that the mediums would be a meaningful difference in turn of in terms of the speed they had in that run down to the first corner, as they proved to be. It was a good call in that regard, but they, I, I think, overestimated long-term the life of those tires. But I, they must have believed they would make the rest of the race because the prospect of pitting again, unless, unless they again were yet again taking another gamble and saying, let's go on the mediums now because we're sure to have yet another red flag. If that, unless that's what they believed, in which case it would have been a brilliant move. You know, if if 10 laps later, there's another red flag, Verstappen probably wins this race. Well, and there were several virtual safety cars after uh, this third restart as well. And like you mentioned, the mediums definitely helped Verstappen get the jump on Hamilton. Verstappen had his best of three starts on Sunday. On this third restart, he had an awesome one. It passes inside both Ocon and Hamilton, gets into P1, looked like Reggie Bush with the cutback. He was on the outside, swerved down onto the inside, almost Another collision at the first corner between Verstappen, Ocon, and Hamilton. Hamilton kind of pulled out of that one, it looked like, because he was very nervous about making sure his car finished. Ocon pulls a Verstappen, just takes it wide, goes over the curbs, and after the lap, we're looking at Verstappen, Ocon, Hamilton. Lap 18, Hamilton passes Ocon for P2, and it's on. 32 laps of Verstappen versus Hamilton because these two blew away the field. Like, nobody was even close to them. And I appreciated the broadcast. Wasn't really going down to the back markers at all. They're like, this is all that matters right now, and it totally did. Hamilton could not get into DRS range, though. The way it would go, Max would dominate the first sector, push it out to, like, what, maybe a 1.4, 1.5 second advantage, the second and third sector, Hamilton would get it down to maybe 0.9. Rinse and repeat with that dirty air. I hate dirty air. One of my least favorite things. In the meantime, we get a couple of virtual safety cars that really help save Max's mediums. Uh, and there is debris everywhere for these safety cars. There was that great shot of somebody hopping on the track, running out, grabbing a piece of carbon fiber, then hopping back uh, behind the fence. I love that. Um, what were you thinking during this, Graydon? Were you thinking that all of these little slowdowns were actually gonna help Verstappen's tires last until the end? Yeah, I, I was. I, at the time, I thought, oh, Red Bull has played this perfectly. The mediums are going to be more than sufficient to take them to the end, especially after, you know, they were right there on the edge. I think they had estimated that they needed to go, that the mediums could go 30, 30-ish laps. But with all those under virtual safety car, I thought, oh, they've got this. He's going to be able to hold on to it. And I didn't think that it looked like Hamilton was never going to be able to do the pace through sector one to catch him. So I, I at the time, I thought Red Bull was looking looking really good but you know things uh, get more complicated from there lap 37 <laughs> that's the one graden we're back to racing and hamilton has his first real chance to overtake verstappen he's in the drs zone down the back straight he's in verstappen's splits slipstream and he's got the advantage going into that turn one again so you know Max Verstappen cuts the corner again, pushes Hamilton wide again to hang on to P1. At this point, Lewis just says, this guy's fucking crazy, man. <laughs> I love that line. The stewards note the incident. 
Verstappen has to give the place back. And Graydon, that wasn't even the craziest thing that happened on lap 37. On the back DRS straight, Verstappen slows down to give Hamilton the place back. Hamilton is either unaware that Verstappen is giving the place back, confused about what's happening. Maybe there's another virtual safety car. It seemed like there was one every three laps regardless. He smacks into the back of Max Verstappen and Verstappen just zooms off into the distance. This time, Lewis gets on the horn and says, he just brake tested me. Also got another great reaction from Toto Wolf. Uh, and this one, we've seen him pointing at the camera. This one, he was slamming his headset like JD just heard a leaf blower on the stream. Look how angry this guy is. Do they just have a yeah. camera on Toto at all times here? I, I think they do. They have <laughs> I to, man. I, I, this is a crazy incident. This is very confusing. Honestly, Brundle is and Crofty are confused. I, I, I think that no one was super clear here. I'm not surprised that the stewards waited till after the race to make a ruling on this incident because it, and in real time, it was unclear whose fault it was. You know, did did Verstappen leave them enough room to go by? Why did Hamilton get so confused? when Verstappen slowed down, why, when he slowed down, didn't he just zoom past him in the first place? You know, if there, it's, it, I think it's, it's, I, I never saw a Hamilton truly explain it. He seemed to just kind of hawk it up to, you know, Verstappen, you know, pumping the brakes on him. Right. So it's, it, it's definitely a weird moment, but you know, high drama for them to collide out on track. And at the time I thought, well, even if they penalize Verstappen for this, maybe this is game over for Hamilton, at least in terms of competing for the race win, because I figured the damage to his front wing totally. would cost him a lot of pace. Even if they both kept on, it seemed like he's either he's going to lose pace or they're going to come in and change his wing, and that's, that's the race. So which did you think it was more of, Graydon? You think this was more of a miscommunication for what was happening between Red Bull and Mercedes because Red Bull said they were letting the play, get letting Hamilton get the place back. Mercedes, meanwhile, said we were in the process of telling him that Max was letting him get the place back. Was this a miscommunication or is this straight up villainy from Max Verstappen? I think it's I think it's fundamentally a miscommunication. <laughs> Labeling it villainy is is uh, is is hard to know what his intentions were. There's certainly a lot of risks to inviting contact, you know, and and especially to the back of his car. You know, the front wing is replaceable, but if you jam a car up his gearbox in the back, that could be the end of Max Verstappen's day. There's certainly the risk reward proposition here is not great for Max. So I think in all likelihood, this is just an instance of Max reacting really quickly and wanting to the, to the order as well as wanting to do so at an advantageous moment. So he could be sure to be under one second when they went through the next DRS detection zone, which was something he was looking to do very critically so that I, I but I will say the only thing that's hard to explain is Max kind of moves to the right, slows down, but then does kind of like jerk back to the middle a little bit, which seemed unnecessary and a bit inexplicable. If uh, it's a weird incident, for it's sure. a weird incident. <laughs> like I, I, and I, it doesn't totally make sense what happened to me. Well, what eventually happens is Verstappen got a 10-second penalty for this, right? Which kind of had no effect on the race, which is maybe the perfect call for all 
things considered so how weird it was. But like you mentioned, damage to Hamilton's front wing on this, but Mercedes says it's all good. I was surprised by that too. I was like, the guy doesn't have a front wing? This is gonna be like when he won a race on three wheels, but stewards are busy investigating the brake tap, and I think they are also investigating the second start incident as well at this point. Still no ruling yet. So Verstappen is in P1, Hamilton is in P2, a little bit further behind on lap 43, I think. Verstappen has given his first penalty, a five second penalty, which is for the lap 37 incident. He's ordered to give the place back once again. Which confused me. Oh yeah. Because I, 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 in my mind, if you've been penalized, okay, you've been penalized, you no longer need to give the place back. That's what that's for. So why would you accept the penalty and give the place back? I, that, I was unclear on that. I don't know if anybody in the Slipstream team that made sense to them, but to me, it seemed like it was almost a double penalty for Max at that point. Um, yeah, that, it was very weird, but it also ended up being hilarious because of the move Verstappen pulled. He let uh, Hamilton pass at the very last second of the DRS straight. And I think Hamilton was leading for like the smallest split second of time that you can possibly imagine because Verstappen then just goes right past with DRS and he's in the lead once again. Now, this is legal, right? I like believe this it little is. DRS gamesmanship they're doing here. That's uh, the kind of move that seems like it should not be legal, even though it I is. believe what one of the Hamilton is actually one of the pioneers of this. I think he was at the 2008 Belgian Grand Prix. He was, I think, one of the first guys to be like, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let him by right before we go through the DRS detection zone, and then just blow past him." I forget who what the the other car in the incident was. So it it's it's a little bit easier said than done. Max obviously very skillful in his execution of it. It does feel ridiculous and perhaps very much the letter but not the spirit of the law in this instance uh, but anytime you can pull a move like that that actually makes the broadcasters laugh i think it's a i think it's good you know it yeah, might be a little really. skirting the rules but i think it's good if you can make the I broadcasters laugh. i mean it's legal what 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 i do think is peculiar is the then what i always think is peculiar is having drs after having overtaken someone because he, he he lets Hamilton go by, goes to the DRS detection zone, slips past Hamilton, which I'm surprised Hamilton allowed him to do so easily or he was just able to do so easily. In theory, they're both going at full speed or even Max has had to slow down at a critical moment and in theory wouldn't have been carrying as much speed, but then gets the open wing, went out in front to reestablish his lead, which I've always thought was peculiar. I feel like DRS should maybe no longer be enabled if you're only opening the wing once you've passed the person. I don't know. It, 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 it definitely <laughs> feels weird, right? I mean, it, it, it that, felt a lot weird, of... but it was awesome. <laughs> like, I, yeah. It's, it's like, I, I don't know. I, I love a loophole. I just love it's a, a loophole. loophole. It's a and loophole. That was a great so that's, that's a great, it's a great, yeah, absolutely. It's a loophole, but. All right. So lap 44, Hamilton finally takes P1. Uh, he finally gets it done. Not sure at that point if Red Bull was letting him through or if their tires were just falling off or if it was kind of a combination of both. Either way, Hamilton gets that one done pretty easily. Runs away, sets the fastest lap, wins the race to get maximum points, which ties him up with Verstappen in the championship race. Or as Crofty said, level pegging. 
Level pegging is what I'm going to call any time there's a tie from now on. What a saying, Graydon. Uh, there's also a great moment on this final lap. Uh, Valtteri Botas hits Esteban Ocon with the Toretto finish too soon. Hits the DRS, passes him for P3, fist pumping as he goes uh, past the checkered flag. I thought that was hilarious. Post-race, Max Verstappen gets a 10-second penalty for the brake check. In his uh, post-race interview, he said, Yeah, it was quite eventful. A lot of things happened. Indeed, they did. And then this was the most hilarious part to me. Max Verstappen, driver of the day. Driver of the day. (laughs) The fans, I mean, what can you say about F1 fans? They are, they are, for a sport, a weirdly partisan sport. You'd feel like, I get why, like, people are bloodthirsty about teams, you know, in in their cities and things like that. But it's weird how loyal, but but the, the, the Verstappen loyalists were out hitting their phones, making sure that he got some recognition for whatever it is that happened out there. I do think it was funny to watch how measured Max is in his response to things, you know, saying things, not just that a lot of stuff happened, but, oh, you know, we, we still got second. That's good point. He says, a lot, we got second. That's good points. You know, got to be happy with that result, whatever. Such After such an intense race in which he skirted the rules so many times to be so cool about it i guess he's just quintessentially dutch in that way or something like that but it's it's it 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 was uh it was really something what did you think about all the shade being thrown uh verstappen's way brundle brundle was even calling him out on the broadcast which you don't hear very often lewis was very measured talking about all of his experience and now all he was trying to do was do it the right way and bring the car in uh they were throwing massive shade at Verstappen, and honestly, like the guy was going crazy out there on Sunday. I do think I the brake check incident is the is the wildest of them, right? And 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 the most confusing and probably most controversial. But the ones that are also, I think, are you know, inarguably just you probably shouldn't have done it. Cutting the corner twice. It's like just it, you can't be like. You can't say one week, you know, just let him race. We want to win on the track, and then be like, but for us, the track is 30 meters shorter because I like to cut that corner. It's like, I, I don't know. It just, I do think that he deserves a little bit of criticism for kind of uh, how they drove out there. Although at the same time, I mean, this is, I mean, they're fighting tooth and nail here. So I, I, it's hard to, I get that, you know, he's, he's going to do everything in his power to, to, you know, to win this title. And even if it gets a little messy. Yeah, driver of the day from the fans, but also Drake of the day on the internet. Saw this from Nigel Payne on Twitter, the Max Verstappen driving school. He doesn't like hitting the apexes. He just likes going straight through the corner, man. I didn't know that there was ever going to be a Drake meme in a Formula One <laughs> podcast. This this sport is getting huge, man. But that is everything that matters from the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. After the break, we're going to check out the standings and take a quick look ahead this weekend looking for an assist with your credit card but you can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep you heard that right you can talk to a real human in customer service anytime sounds like a real game changer if you ask us make the right call and get the service you deserve with discover 
Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. Welcome back to No Breaks. We're going to take a look at the standings here. You see the driver standings all knotted up at top. For the second time ever, the first time since 1974, I think, we got a tie heading into the final race of the season. Max Verstappen is technically the leader since he has nine wins to Hamilton's eight wins, but it's 369.5 apiece up top. I mentioned the wins thing, Graydon, because as the stream team is mentioning here, if they both don't finish uh, the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, then Verstappen is the champion. As for the Constructors' Championship, this one looks like it's probably over. Mercedes has a 28-point lead over Red Bull after Sergio Perez didn't finish in Saudi Arabia. We talked a little bit about the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix last time. Here's a look at the course. Now, Graydon, you were telling me there are some new changes to this course. As I mentioned, it's a honeypot for overtaking moves that has been dominated by Mercedes in the past. What kind of changes have they made this year? So it's interesting you say that because it's in previous seasons, it had been criticized for its lack of ability for overtaking, that this wasn't an exciting race, but that is exact, to allow for more overtaking is exactly what they have adjusted. So uh, over here, what is uh, turn five, the North hairpin was originally, I believe, turn seven. Um, they've removed a chicane that used to be at the entrance to it, making it a much faster turn. What here is turn nine, uh, down in the bottom left-hand corner of this was originally three different turns. You kind of snaked through quite slowly, now it's a long, banking, very high-speed turn. And then turns 12, 13, and 14, which are the hotel section. It's where they go under that like very beautiful piece of modern architecture. Have, they have expanded the radiuses of all of them so as to make it a much faster, a smooth, flowing section of the course. So that's all something that is, you know, there. Uh, hopefully that's going to make for a much more exciting race. Uh, it's going to really change you know, the nature of uh, the race. And I think in ways that are likely to benefit Mercedes. You think if they're likely to benefit Mercedes, that's interesting because if I'm not mistaken, Hamilton has five wins at the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, though Verstappen won there last year. Uh, hearing it, this, winning uh, hearing last the- year, it's, it's interesting in winning last year because it's such a different context, right? It's like... The, Mercedes had already won the title. Hamilton had already locked up the championship. You know, they didn't have as nearly as much to race for. Meanwhile, Red Bull was pushing, I believe, for their first win of the season, I think, at the time, right? Max hadn't, so I think, I believe, so he was, you know, they were really eager to get it. There was just a lot to play for on the Red Bull side. I just don't know. And again, it being a slower track that historically would benefit Red Bull even though Mercedes, of course, has been dominant for a lot of years. So definitely something where I think that you probably think advantage Mercedes going into this, but there's a lot of tracks where, you know, 
Verstappen has you know something like Coda. I think a lot of people also thought would be the Mercedes advantage, but he won here in the U.S. It, it, they could certainly can do it. I think I think anything could happen out there. So. Well, you mentioned anything could happen. What about some chicanery, Graydon? We got a tie, but it could come down to who has won the previous races. Do you think we'll see any uh, outside of the bounds racing? I saw some people mentioning the 1997 season in reference to this. Right, I, they're 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 referencing, I think, the collision between Sh- Schumacher and Villeneuve, mm-hmm. right, which is a a famous incident. But even before that, in a, uh, uh, I forget the exact year, but Ayrton Senna driving Alan Prost off the course, uh, getting both of their cars, or at least at Prost ending the race, you know, ending his race, uh, but then having, you know, in a different incident, you know, you know. Senna gets DNF. He ends up losing the title to Prost. But basically, the the accusation at the time was is that Senna said, "Just as long as we both don't finish, I'm good. So I'm going to take you with me into the wall." Kind of right. And that uh, it's, I mean, it's not unprecedented in the history of F1. So I, I would be wrong to say there's no chance that Max does this. There clearly is some chance. <laughs> guys have done it. Like guys have done it. So I think it's. Um, is it what I hope happens? No, of course not. I hope they both stay out there and race hard and race clean. You know, being elbows out and and putting another guy in the wall are two totally different things. You know, I, I I love to see it finished out. You know, out on the track, see them both cross the finish line. But certainly, we'll all be thinking, what if that's what happens? You know, it it, it feels plausible. So yeah, one hundred percent. And if for some reason uh, it all goes standard and we're all seeing a clean race and Hamilton pulls out the win and wins his record eighth championship. This would be a tragic loss for Verstappen and for Red Bull. Saw this tweet from Tom Bellingham, one of the hosts of the great Formula One podcast, WTF1. He tweeted, if Max finishes P2 to Lewis in Abu Dhabi, he'll have scored the most podiums ever in an F1 season, then first or second in every race he's finished with the exclusion of the Monza GP where he had some damage and he will become only the sixth driver in history to get nine wins in a season and still wouldn't win the title. That's almost hard to do. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely a heartbreaker. They, they've been, they were dominant for so much of the year. It's only this last little stretch that Mercedes has looked like it has the faster car. There's a few early, kind of confusing, almost self-inflicted wounds, you know, um, certainly things like at the time that felt like they didn't really matter all that much, like his tire blowing up in Baku and being unable to finish the race when he had a huge win suddenly now feel like they're the difference in him winning or not winning a title. Yeah, so there's a, there's a lot of little, and that's what they say. It's, it's at the end of the day, these titles are built over the course of a season. And that's why Every race counts, I can assure you, no matter what happens, both of them will show up next year with a renewed energy from day one because they'll be reminded just how important it is to score points every single week uh, and the maximum amount of points. There'll be, you know, there won't be any weekends off next year, I can assure you, for both of these teams. So That's next year. This season ends this weekend. Practice starts early Friday morning, early, early grade. And qualifying, though, is Saturday, 8 p.m. Eastern. Then Sunday is race day, 8 p.m. Eastern for all the marbles. We'll be back here live on YouTube right after that race. 
We're guessing around 11.30 a.m. Eastern. Can't wait. Cannot wait for that one. Graydon, JD, thanks for squeezing in our first ever emergency no-breaks podcast. Make sure to follow Graydon at Mr. Gordian on Twitter. There's no telling what his cat will get into next. I'm sorry that that tweet went viral, Graydon. I know you wish it would have been another one, but beggars can't be choosers. Viral tweeters can't be choosers, you know? There's so many fire tweets out there that just languish (laughs) with one like and one retweet, and yet everyone loves the cat everyone loves a cat everyone loves no dunks so make sure to follow no breaks and no dunks on all social media that's at no dunks inc email us at no dunks at theathletic.com subscribe to the athletic at theathletic.com slash no dunks you got anything else Graydon? that's it for me i'll see you guys sunday i'm i'm excited that's right no dunks back tomorrow 10 a.m eastern us gearheads we'll see you here on sunday clipper bro You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Stay speedy out there, people. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.